Welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. We are your hosts, Christy and Hannah. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Before we get into the podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded land on which we live, work and record, the Wanjaraburra people. We wish to honour their elders past, present and emerging and recognise their continued connection to the land, sea and community. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Hannah, back on the Always for the New Age podcast. I am bringing you a fantastic interview this week with one of my dear friends, Eleni, the New Age naturopath. (laughs) And we're really excited to talk to you about working with your ancestors, ancestral magic. We delve into a little bit about ancestral trauma and ancestral healing, and just in general, how to connect with those who've come before you. This is actually part one of a two-part episode because we can talk. And so part two will be released next Wednesday for next week's episode. So definitely check back for that. We hope you love it. And let's just jump right into this week's episode. Hi, Lenny. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, really well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Nice and early this morning. I'm here. (laughs) I know we're getting an early start on it. Um, So yeah, again, thanks for joining us. And I'm so excited for you to talk to people today about what you do, and also a little bit about um, working with your ancestors, which is very exciting. It's not something we've talked about on the podcast yet. Um, Thank you so much for having me. So first, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do? Okay, that is always such a weird question to answer um, (laughs) because I never know how to answer it. It seems like a totally logical question, and then I go to answer it and I give 17 different like pictures of myself. So my name is Eleni. Um, I am, I am, I do my pendulum work. I do card readings. I do energy work, flower essences. I'm a naturopath by trade, which by nature is my little tagline because Mm -hmm. I feel like that pretty much sums me up. Um, I am a Greek Australian, which as we're going to be talking about ancestors, is going to be a very important fact. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you'll just think I'm insanely intense but it'll make sense later um and I'm just a sarcastic happy dog mum married to a beautiful man pretty easy going love it um yeah like I think what you do you have a lot of different offerings and they're all really incredible um and so yeah it's exciting to hear you explain it especially within like the regards to the ancestral stuff today Um, but I must say your pendulum clearings are amazing and I hear so much positive feedback. I've had one done for me, but I hear from your clients as well who are crossover clients from me and they've had such positive experiences. So I love that. Um, so anyone who needs massive passion, anyone who needs like a shift, definitely go speak to a Lenny, but you do, you have a very big connection with your ancestors more than most people I know. Um, which is why you are the perfect person to talk to about this kind of thing. Um, And as we edge ever closer to the Samhain time, so I guess some people would know it as like All Hallows Eve or like the witches Halloween kind of, some people call it the witches New Year. There's different opinions Mm -hmm. on that, but it is very much a time 
to connect with your ancestors. And so we're getting in ahead so that people can hear what you have to say and get prepared, really. Um, what always cracks me up is like when it comes to the Sabbaths, I'm I'm self-confessed, I'm so lazy with remembering exactly kind of when they hit. But I love knowing, I love when other people know when they are because it makes me take stock of what I'm just naturally doing in my life that seems to be in alignment with the mm-hmm. Sabbaths. And um, Hannah wasn't aware of this, but last night I actually went to go see a movie that was specific to where my great-grandmother came from in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. So it's all just tied in so wonderfully. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's very confronting, um, but it was was an amazing movie. If anyone's got Greek heritage from Asia Minor, well well worth seeing the movie Smyrna. Shameless little plug there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it definitely sounded intense. Um, but I can see why you guys would have really enjoyed that or got a lot out of it, I guess is the way to put it rather than per mm-hmm. se enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, enjoy is a, it's, it's an interest. It's a, it was a very, conf- yeah, very conflicting. Yeah. Well, yeah. also like we've talked before about how, like you didn't really resonate with the Celtic wheel of the year because you're not Celtic. So you yeah. found a Greek version and most cultures have their own version of the wheel of the year, which resonates you know, with people of their culture. So you found that and have you used that much? No. Um, <laughs> I think I'm doing too much other stuff to to sort of dedicate too wholeheartedly to it. But like I said, like when it pops up, because thankfully I have a very diverse Instagram feed um, <laughs> and also a diverse group of friends, so I'll get reminders from different people or different feeds and stuff about what's coming up in like the different calendars, I guess, mm-hmm. um, which is really just, it's so poignant when you look into your own life and you see what's already naturally happening within those cycles. And I think anyone who works with like kind of witchcraft or follows any sort of kind of pagan path does naturally, even if they're not having the time or the mental space to really focus on Sabbaths, I think you naturally do kind of flow with the cycles because you're working with nature, Right. So it's cool to see like how that actually does filter through your life. Um, So it's really just like confirmation. But I should say too, I've known Eleni for, I don't even know how many years now, Uh, but we worked together. We met working in a health store (laughs) (laughs) and have been kind of friends ever since. Um, So it's been cool. And we've done flower essence workshop together and worked with each other in other ways as well. Uh, So this is really exciting. But let's get into the ancestral stuff. So how, what are your favorite ways to work with ancestors? And around the time of Samhain, how would you incorporate uh, working with your ancestors into your kind of rituals and routines? I feel like that for me, like I said, I'm a little bit lazy when it comes to doing (laughs) things. So I like to incorporate it into my daily routine, just in the normal things that I do every day. So that makes it a sustainable and B, it doesn't make you feel like you're going to heaps of effort, even though you are still making the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I love to do, and I've already done it this morning, is um, I make Greek coffee for my husband. So my husband is also Greek, and it's just the most beautiful smell that fills the house. And as soon as I start preparing the coffee, I call all my ancestors in. Anyone who wants to join us for a cup of coffee, come and enjoy it with us through us. Mm-hmm. And that it, it, the whole house wakes up 
Um, and doesn't matter what time of day, because if anyone knows anyone who's Greek, it's always <laughs> coffee time. So, and the way that we make Greek coffee, it's not, it's not like a, um, you don't put it into a machine and, and wait for it to do its thing. And you don't, it's not an instant thing. You actually have to sit there and brew it. So it's, it's much more sort of methodical than like just pressing a button on like the espresso machine. Mm-hmm. Nothing, not that there's anything wrong with an espresso, don't get me wrong, but for my ancestral veneration, it's I sit there and I make the coffee and I call them in and I actually read the the coffee cream as it's forming. There's been many, many times where I've called my ancestors in and they've immediately gone, we need you to look at the coffee. And I've looked and I kid you not, there had the amount of times I've called out and I've gone, George, as I make <laughs> the coffee. And he knows that that's his sign that he needs to do the evil eye because an, an eye, a perfect eye comes up in the coffee. So yeah. not only is it my way to sort of give them an offering, it's also their way to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And you also wear jewellery, don't you? I I do. I was going to get to the jewellery. Thank you. Um. Also, a side note for people who decide they want to go out and try Greek coffee, you do not brew it the same at all and you don't drink it the same. Just just put it out there, do your research before you just go and, like, rip open into a bag of Greek coffee. I, I look. I have been known to let my uh, white Australian friends swirl the coffee as it gets to the end, and then chug the sludge at the end of it. And I absolutely cack myself. It is the <laughs> best reaction to watch someone almost. I look. It's, I know it's a bit sick on my part, but it's so fun. It is so much fun watching them just like hate you in like you just their eyes pop out of their head. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, don't drink the sludge. doesn't matter what that person no. tells you, don't drink the sludge. <laughs> Unless it's me telling you and then do as I say. Yes, don't really drink the sludge. So, I think it's a good metaphor for life, really. Just don't drink the sludge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if there's sludge, avoid it. But, yes, my jewellery, um, actually, so the movie we watched last night was called Smyrna, and that is the the traditional name of what is now called Izmir in um, Turkey. Hmm. And I also learned last night because you, Guys, I've got to remember, although I'm Greek and although I connect with my ancestors and I do all these beautiful things, I don't actually speak Greek and let alone Turkish. And I actually learnt that um, the word Izmir means, I think it was to represent the word infidels. So it kind of gives you a vibe on, Mm -hmm. like, what that town has now been through. Um, But Smyrna was this most, um, what looked to be the most amazing cosmopolitan very um, culturally integrative place in Asia Minor. And then it was this whole back and forth tug of war between Greeks and Turks, and we all kind of know that a little bit. And then the Turks were kind of like, okay, well, now it's ours, so you need to bugger off. And it became a huge genocidal thing. And I know, that, I know I'm bringing the podcast down really quickly, but <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of information. Im- it's relevant. It, to- it is, especially when we're going to be talking about ancestral healing. It's really important for people to understand from all walks of life that as important and as unique as your generational trauma is, it's also widespread. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know a culture that hasn't been horrendously affected by some form of trauma whether it's cultural, whether it's religious, whether it's familial, everyone has got a scar. And I think it's really important that we remember that because it's it's kind of like, you know, you never know what someone's going through type thing. You never know what someone's carrying, whether it be themselves or through their ancestors. Watching this movie last night, it was quite 
epic in sort of reliving it. And the funny thing was I was expecting to have like all my ancestors sort of glued to the screen. Very little of them kind of wanted to watch it, which I understood as well. Um, I had my great grandmother with me, which is the jewelry that I wear. I have, if you've ever seen any of my Instagram things, you'll see that I have like the most insane looking gold chains on my wrist (laughs) and the biggest bloody um, purple ring you've ever seen. These were my great grandmothers and I was lucky enough to know her in this lifetime. Um, She passed away when I was about 11 or 12. And Mm -hmm. so she was well into her 90s. She was born 1906 and she was born in Smyrna. Um, When the, I guess when the Ottoman takeover was kind of happening, that's when they had to leave and there was a large amount of families that were thrown into the ocean and thankfully either got to Lesbos or Chios or some of the other surrounding islands and Mayaya got to Chios. Her father was a doctor and they would work in the refugee camps and stuff together. And I don't know how exactly, but she somehow got to Australia and met my Bapustamati who was sitting here with a sign with her name on it. And she goes, oh, hi, that's me. He goes, oh, good. We need to go get married. And she's like, <laughs> okay. And then. As, as you do. <laughs> yeah, just just a normal like 1930s kind of vibe. Um <laughs> Obviously, he'd been in correspondence with her father. He'd given the okay. And she was like, I've just had a massive trip. Sure, you want to marry me? Let's go for it. Um, And then I think about two and a half seconds later, she's pregnant with my grandfather. um, Mm. And then my papu is born, my grandfather. And, um, yeah, then they they settled in Australia. And, unfortunately, three years into my, my grandfather was about three years old before his father actually passed away. So then my my great-grandmother is in this um let's just say culturally um I don't know not happy environment in Australia Mm. who he couldn't speak the language she has a three-year-old son and from stories that I've heard of um family friends they believe she must she might have been pregnant with their second child as well so she's grieving the loss of her husband who everyone loved which is not always a thing in the Greek community. So the fact that I hear stories of how wonderful he was is actually really, really heartwarming. Um, but then, yeah, she's alone and it it all just snowballs from there. And she becomes a single mum in Australia and, and she couldn't, you know, her, her husband was a toffee maker. She had to try and earn money somehow, couldn't speak the language, so she would teach um, other women how to cook. Yeah, And wow. she was very, very well known in the Greek community and in other communities as well for for just being the, essentially a walking heart on legs. Like she was just gorgeous. So that's the jewellery that I wear. I also have some like phenomenal other ancestors, but just specifically because I saw that movie last night, it's just I feel like she's like pretty much sitting on my shoulders at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so like is, are there any particular practices you do with the jewellery to call your ancestors in? Um, I feel like my ancestors are kind of always there. I've Mm-hmm. Even before I started really tapping into them, I'd get phone calls from friends who would be like, this is a fun story. Um, <laughs> one of my friends called me. She goes, I've had your grandfather yelling at me for the last 24 hours and I've been avoiding calling you about it because it's inappropriate. I've gone, oh, good, do tell. <laughs> and she's like, he says that George needs to wear a condom because you're going to fall pregnant. And this was like, I think, a year <laughs> into our relationship. And I was like, Cool. Could he maybe not be present for that part of my life? Like that would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Like I feel like boundaries have gone out the window here. <laughs> um, so um yeah, my I feel like my 
my ancestors specifically are really involved <laughs> in my life. Mm-hmm. So I don't really need to sort of specifically call them in, although sometimes I do if I just want to have a one-on-one. Uh, the jewellery does help me just, I think, for me to feel more tangibly connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage if you guys do have jewellery or like for my other grandmother, I have her clothes. I love wearing her clothes. And I do not know how they fit me at all. They shouldn't fit me. I'm about 25 kilos heavier than what my grandmother is, and I'm about three feet taller. So there's no logical reason why her clothes fit me, but they do. So I wear them, and I love it, and I feel just so much closer to her. So if there's anything that you've got in your possession that physically that you can work with and hold and you know, especially with the grandmothers and stuff, they always either made doilies or they made uh, handkerchiefs. My grandmothers in particular used to make um, doona covers. Like, oh, wow. You mentioned crocheting one of those. Like, that's crochet. Insane. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 My great grandmothers were queens. Um, they just crocheted <laughs> everything. And also, like, the chair, like, even the chair that I'm sitting on right now, I'm sitting in my mother's room in her house. And I'm sitting on my great-grandfather's chair that my grandfather has restored. Yeah. And that's like, so nice I know that you have so yeah, much of theirs. That's what I was about to say. I, it's, it's not, I don't think it's even normal that a lot of people have that much of their, their family stuff, especially immigrant families. Like mm. that's, a, that's a big deal. Even talking to George last night, George is a first-generation Greek, um, so he very rarely got to see his grandparents, maybe like, three or four times in his lifetime um and like for extended periods when he would see them but still like mine lived in Ipswich um yeah (laughs) the other one lived in Cooparoo like it's just down the road so I got to see mine far more often um and because George's grandparents were overseas when they passed like they didn't necessarily receive anything which is fine but we kind of got like households worth of things so I've Mm -hmm. got I've got crockery I've got yeah, dresses, chairs, walking sticks. My favourite is Maya Toys's walking stick. It makes the best little squeaky sound, and I don't know why, but it, I'm just fascinated by it. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, yeah, yeah, incredible that you've got that much. And, I mean, it probably feeds in somewhat to the amount of work you do with ancestral stuff, right? Yeah, and it probably also anchors their energy in a little bit easier too. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you don't actually need one iota of things to connect to your ancestors. I just happen to have buckets of it, but that's it's not necessary. All you need is the fact that you are part of them. That's it. Mm-hmm. You just kind of need to close your eyes, tap into the feeling. Whether you've met them in this lifetime or not is irrelevant. They are you and you are them. Yeah. And Something so- that I kind of said, oh, sorry, you go. No, no, you finished what you were saying. I was saying to George on the um, on the drive home last night, you do a lot of reflecting after and I'm, I'm piecing bits and pieces of information that I've been given over the years together from that movie and um, I've gone, you know, my grandparents, my great-grandparents didn't suffer everything that they suffered for me to be a little bitch but they also <laughs> didn't go through all of that for me to be continuously suffering. Mm-hmm. So it's making sure that you're living your life in a way that is not only honouring them but building off of what they've already started. Mm-hmm. I like and that. Yeah, that's that's how I feel my ancestral veneration sort of empowers me. I've had some epic things happen in this lifetime and 
even as a kid when we were having essentially what I call my living hell when my dad was sick and it was all sorts of hecticness, Mm. I used to literally draw from the strength of knowing what my grandparents went through to sort of stop me becoming a whingy little kid. (laughs) And to be fair, I had every reason to be upset and to be going through what I was going through. So in one way I was probably dismissing my own feelings, but on the other hand I was like, no, 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 if they're strong enough to get on a tiny boat and sail over the ocean and luckily enough get here and then go through the hell that they went through, not only overseas but also here, I can get through this. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay. And it it really, it, it I, for me personally, it really empowers me to do what I do and also to get through whatever I've been through and to do it with kindness in my heart. Yeah. And so, I mean, Again, I'm I'm probably a person who has more difficulty connecting with my ancestors than you do. Um, I don't have I don't feel as much of a presence with that, um, but it's something I want to work on. And, and so I have done it through candle work. Uh, so Beautiful. I know that that's something you can do. And also, particularly this time of year, as we head into the d- depths of autumn um, and towards winter. Uh, altars. I mean, I always have something of my grandmother's, particularly. I have mm-hmm. a shell of my grandmother's, a um, power shell uh, that I always keep on my altar. And uh, so that's something I always have there. I always try to have something. Um, but particularly this time of year, it's I, it's good to incorporate more. If you have, it doesn't even have to, I don't think, be something of theirs, as Eleni said. Like, not everybody has things of theirs. Like, I got given a bed frame. <laughs> so I can't put that yeah. on my altar um, and a yeah. shell. And that was pretty much it. So uh, I don't have a lot of my grandmother's, but um, that I do have. So I use it, but even things that remind you of your you know, ancestors. So I know one of even- like my grandmother loved frogs. Like I could use a frog Aww. if I really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What do you, do you have an altar? Do you have anything of your ancestors on an altar space? Do you do candle work with them? Yeah, I kind of, again, this is where my laziness comes in. I I have an ancestral altar. So for my ancestral altar, it's literally just my buffet table in my dining room full of photos of everyone. Um, and I've been very slack and I haven't got the grandparents and the great-grandparents on there as yet. Um, but I think also... I work with them so freaking much. I see their mm-hmm. faces so often, but it is such a beautiful reminder to see their faces. Um, so if you're able to get photos and just print them out, that's, and you know, if you want to light a candle next to them, beautiful candles are great because it's a really great sort of conveyor of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can light incense, like a really traditional practice that a lot of the Asian cultures do is they light mm-hmm. heaps of incense and the smoke carries up your prayers to the ancestors into the spirit world. So if incense is more your vibe, by all means, if you would prefer to sit outside with a heat-proof dish, let's be mm-hmm. safe, um, and burn AKA some stuff cauldron. off as well. Cauldron. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Everyone gets them from Aldi when they do the bloody camping sale. Let's, we all know what it is. <laughs> um, and for me, like my my herb of choice when I think of my ancestors is either Greek basil or rosemary. Those are my two that I work with the most they're the ones I have the strongest smell association with with my family but mm-hmm. any herbs that bring you closer to and that I, I also love cooking so cooking their favorite dishes and you know what I had a client recently who I was talking this out with and she goes oh my family couldn't cook and I've gone 
I don't understand that at all. But <laughs> that's absolutely fine. You don't have to be Master Chef. I said, did they like a drink? She was like, oh, absolutely. I was like, then you get their favorite drink, yes. pour it in their favorite glass or your favorite glass, and you stick it next to their photo. Mm-hmm. Put a candle there. When the candle burns down, you can have the drink mm-hmm. or the incense or whatever you're using because that way they're partaking in it. And also, especially if you're wanting a one-on-one, invite them to dinner. Invite them to a meal. Mm-hmm. They love that because they they're sitting there the whole time just kind of watching your life like reality TV. But if you actually interact with them, they're going to want to interact back. And they'll do it in ways that, first of all, detach from whatever you think is going to happen. Because the amount of times I've sat there and I've gone, touch my hand, move something, and like (laughs) bugger all happens. But then I'll get an absolute huge waft of cigarette smoke and I've gone, oh, that's my bop wolf. There's particular smells that will bring you back. It could even be a smell from your childhood that you go, I don't know what that is, but holy crap, I'm obsessed with it. What is that? And it'll just pull you in. Or you can even just feel really calm. And that could just be them giving you a big old hug. Yeah. I think um, feelings Don't discount feelings at all. They're so important. Yeah. Herbs was a big one that I had in my mind as well, like lavender, things like like for me being more – kind of Irish descent and English descent, uh, things like lavender would make a lot of sense to make as an offering. Um, but I do uh, also love the making an offering of of like their food or favorite food of, or beverage. And actually my mom at her birthday party on the weekend, she had to have the jelly cakes that my grandmother and great-grandmother used to make. So it was my great-grandmother's um, like – gem iron which is what you use to make the jelly cakes and then my grandmother used to make them all the time and my mum continues to make them and I can make them I haven't made them in a long time but I have made them I used to make them with my mum when I was young and I just thought it was really nice because kind of subconsciously she really wanted my a part of my grandmother um oh that's beautiful I know and so she made all these jelly cakes and they're basically like just little sponge cakes rolled in jelly and coconut and filled with cream um (laughs) I'll take two thank you very much (laughs) not a health food but they are delish um so yes uh that is something that I think she kind of didn't even consciously realize she was having there as a way to connect and like make an offering to her mom and I thought that was really beautiful and she just had this like I have to have the jelly cakes and they're not that easy to make. Gem irons are not that easy to use because they're like <laughs> really heavy and they're round. The jelly cakes are balls. So like you bake them in these things that make them round. It's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, wow. also the effort that you put into preparing something can be enough. Oh, Even if it doesn't taste any good, it doesn't really matter as much as the Yeah, energy. but you know what? Call them, call them in when you're cooking, not just the finished product, but literally, especially for my mm-hmm. family, I call them in while I'm cooking because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like this is not my forte to cook traditional Greek meals. Like my parents' favourite like sort of cuisine when I was growing up was bloody yum cha. Like it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> so like call them in with the cooking process and all of a sudden you'll be guided to different herbs and spices and different ratios and you might find that, uh-oh, you've spilt the cinnamon in the bloody moussaka, which you only wanted to put a teeny weeny bit in, but all of a sudden you put what you think is too much in and you go to taste it and it's perfect. And it's like, oh, okay. 
fine, you take the reins then. It's like ratatouille. You know in ratatouille how the rat's like underneath the hat, he's pulling all the strings? That's kind of like what happens when you call your ancestors in to come and help. Or unless you've got like really cheeky ones that enjoy watching you suffer, which, you know. Is That'll be you. That'll be you. Yeah, that'll, that'll be me as an ancestor. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure. Put more cinnamon in. That's a great idea. Keep going. Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a great time. But it's, it's just about connecting and having fun. These people love you unconditionally and not because of any particular reason or justification, just because you are who you are. Now, in saying that, that doesn't mean every single ancestor you have is someone you need to venerate. You only venerate the ones that you feel a very strong connection with and the ones that you know are good people and feel good to you because everyone's got a different relationship with their their family members. I've got some family members, um, or I should say relations, because they are not part of a family in any way that I bloody know or accept, and they have done nothing but cause genuine harm, emotional and mental harm in my family. And I've had psychic and spiritual attacks from them, even in the afterlife. So by no means am I saying to venerate every single ancestor you have. Start with the ones that you know you have a really beautiful connection with and go from there. You'll also know the ones that feel good and the ones that don't. Don't touch any energy. Don't call any energy in that doesn't feel right. You're only working with the ones who are here for your highest good. So you can call them your kindly ancestors or you can literally say, I call in my ancestors for my highest good, the ones who come forward for me for my highest good. That way you're kind of weeding out the ones that really just want to fuck with you for having fun. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a really important discernment to make. It's not just any ancestor or ancestors. It's the ones that are here to support you, serve you, help you on your journey um yeah it not everybody is there for your highest good no 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 as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode this is actually part one of a two-part episode check back next wednesday to listen to the rest